Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today with me, I have Thad Price, CEO of Talru. Welcome, Thad. Hi, Lindsay. Great to be here. Thank you. How is your day? It's going well. I'm excited to dive into the topics that we're going to get into. But before we do that, can I have you tell me in the audience who you are, what you do, and why you do it? <laughs> Terrific. Well, first off, I'd like to say I'm a, a proud father of two kids and two golden retrievers. And uh, we're located here in Austin, Texas. We love it. It is a great city for our family. It's been a great experience since we moved here about 10 years ago. Currently, I'm the CEO here uh, at Tauru, and we help companies fill their pipelines for uh, central workers and blue collar recruitment initiatives. There's been a huge, um, of course, shortage from a worker perspective as as we've been uh, reopening the economies around the world. Uh, and so, you know, it's been helpful and been a great opportunity for us to assist mid-market enterprise companies in filling their candidate pipelines, bringing a marketing approach to job advertising. Um, and, and I know, I think we're going to dig into that a little bit more in today's podcast. We sure are, but we need to talk about a big word that has been thrown around a lot lately, and that is inflation. So we will be talking about in, uh, inflation in relation to the workforce. So what is your uh, viewpoint toward how inflation is affecting the workforce right now? So wage inflation is af is absolutely uh, happening. Uh, we've seen it and across the economy in a lot of different industries. Um, you know, I think that there are fundamental there's a fundamental challenge in a lot of in a lot of ways. One is, you know, certainly there were roles that um, you know we needed to pay more for, and folks needed um, you know more of a living wage. The problem with that is everything else has increased. And so, you know, as an economy, uh, we've got some work to do. We've got some work to do to think about, you know, how to resolve some of the some of the issues we're uh, faced with, of course. However, I will say that wage inflation within different industries is um, one of the key items that a lot of businesses are are struggling with right now, trying to understand how to ensure engagement with their current team members and ensure that they can continue to attract and retain talent um, given the all-powerful wage. On the other side of this is one of the biggest things that we've seen change in the last few years is there is a view of flexibility that is so important to uh, today's workforce. And, you know, if you think about knowledge workers, traditionally knowledge workers have had a lot more flexibility um, than essential workers. And I think that's changing. It's changing because essential workers, you know, during the pandemic were vital and essential to continuing to move things forward. And I think as workers make that decision on what's important for them, I think, you know, what we found is flexibility and family is more powerful in a lot of ways than wages. And so, you know, some of the advice I give any of our customers is provide flexibility. Think about how to be flexible. It is the number two survey response from our job seekers um, of what they're really looking for in the right career for them. And so it's challenging because helping a lot of helping a lot of essential uh, companies recruiting essential workers 
you have to rethink businesses to think about how you can offer flexibility. And in some cases, redefine what flexibility means. I would almost think about not trying to force flexibility in your current work environment, but try to think how to incubate the idea of flexibility and ensure to your team that you're investing in it, you're working on it, and you realize it's important to them. And as we think about inflation and we think about how to compete in today's ultra competitive environment, I think it's all about communication. I think it's about engaging our workforce and you know letting them know that you're thinking about them and that you're looking for their advice because everything in life starts with a conversation. And what I liked about your introduction is that you introduced yourself as a dad first to two <laughs> legged children and four legged children. And I love yes. that. And then, you know, you followed it up with people want, you know, they want to spend time with family. They want to focus on their health. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like COVID especially has made us really rethink, um, you know, what we can control and, you know, we can control the time that we spend with our family. I think so. I, I, it's unfortunately, it's, it's unfortunate that it's taken a pandemic for us to rethink what's important in a lot of lives, but a lot, a lot of people lost um, very important people in their family. And so I think that, that kind of right setting of expectations of family first I think is very important for a lot of America's workforce. And I think you're seeing that with the connection to flexibility, remote work, um, and all the things that are important. And I think we've seen as a society, we can be productive. We can be productive having flexibility. We can be productive in ensuring that we are, um, you know, investing in our family time and ensure that we're providing work-life balance. So, you know, I think it's long overdue as a society. Um, and I think that, you know, we're in, again, unfortunately, it's taken a pandemic to, to really think about what's important for the workforce. But as employers, we have to ensure that we're moving in that direction, you know, in the changing expectation trend that's happening with job seekers and America's workforce. And we have to be in tune to what they're really looking for and what's important to them. And so if you think about one of the things that, you know, when we think about inflation and careers and jobs is I like to think that there's a clearing opportunity, just as we think about what the clearing wage is um, to, to hire someone. The clearing opportunity to me is when you hire someone, you have to ensure that it's opportunistic for the individual. And what I mean is it's not a transactional job. It's what's in them for them long-term. And that's what I like to refer to as the clearing opportunity, because it's not about what job I'm hiring you for today. It's about what the opportunity is tomorrow for that individual, because it's a big decision. It's a big decision to accept a job. It's a big decision to join a new company. And so it's important that as employers, we think holistically about the decision tree that happens when people make a choice to come and join your organization. Mm-hmm. So what what's it like working at Telru? What's the ex- employee experience? Well, we invest a lot in our employee experience. Um, it's one of the things we believe great people grow great companies. We enjoy a lot of engagement with our team members. There's some some small 
programs um, that we've invested in from a remote perspective and a virtual uh, perspective. Um, an example is one of the things we like to do is we host management mingles with our team members across different departments. And so usually there's an executive that will host a management mingle and we'll provide DoorDash credits for our team members and they'll order food and we'll just talk. And it's usually engineers with sales and sales with marketing and sales with accounting, finance. So it really is kind of a cross-functional experience so that our leaders can connect and engage with our team members. So that's one thing that's been interesting for for us. We have a magic show coming up in a a few weeks where it's a family-friendly magic show. We found um, a magician that specializes in virtual events. And so we invested in a in this for our team. And we thought it'd be really fun to invite family members as well. Um, So those are some things that, you know, you have to, you invest in that are outside of the box, um, but are important to ensure engagement, especially in this virtual world. So I think surprising people with, um, you know, investments in virtual environments and team building environments, coupled with, you know, engagement around career pathing and what's in it for them long-term and what's important to the individual, I think is super important in building a great culture and an engaging culture so that, you know, folks are thinking about the long-term because when, again, you make that decision and when a job seeker makes that decision, it's, it's not a transactional decision any longer. It's, you know, I want to find a company where I can continue to grow my career and continue to support my family and, and, and me in, in those, those efforts. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned communication is very important. And so, you know, when I think about the importance of communication in in these scenarios, I think about asking employees, you know, what they want to do, what their aspirations are and trying to make that happen for them, you know, which I, I can you know, professional development is just as important as regular raises and, you know, being compensated fairly. Yeah. And I would, I would almost argue that when you think about growing with a company and developing your next generation of leaders, I think that the conversation of where you want to go with your career and let's create a plan in order for you to reach what you're looking for and to grow, I think is more impactful for a lot of um, workers than simply an annual raise. Um, First off, it's more exciting you know, when you think about moving from, you know, a manager to a senior manager or a director or an analyst to, you know, a program manager, whatever it may be, whatever that career track looks like, there it's more exciting to think about, you know, receiving a 10 to 15% jump in, in pay with a promotion than a cost of living, you know, annual rev- review pay increase. And so, I think that when when team members are looking to make that decision on is my company going to provide me what I need to be successful in my career, you need to put more focus in the long term, less focus in the transactional, just annual review process. And, you know, I think that over time, if that individual hasn't received raises, it adds up. <laughs> there's like there's a compounding effect, of course. But it's really important to really to focus on where they want to go because remember the jobs. If if you do have a a candidate 
or I should say an individual that's at risk, um, they're making that decision on, will this company provide me that career path? Or is this the career path, you know, that I want anyway? One of the things that I've seen from companies over the years, and, you know, unfortunately we've had this happen as well. When you, someone leaves, they're, you know, an A player and they're leaving to go to another company um, for a similar role. But when you dig into it and you find the reason why they're leaving is that your the replacement cost for that individual is more than what you could have invested in that yeah. individual, if that makes sense. And so when you think about that, we always have conversations with our leaders around, you know, if someone, if if you if someone leaves and you have to replace that individual and you have to pay, and that that individual is an A player and you have to pay that replacement hire. 20 or 30% more than you're paying the A player today, shame on you <laughs> because you're just going to rehire at a higher rate anyway, when you have a sure thing with an A player. Yep. And it's, it's and something that, I'm I sorry, think, <laughs> go ahead. So I think it's one of those things that, you know, as, as leaders, we constantly have to remind, you know, our team and our managers to, to ensure that, you know, we're doing the same calculus that our team members are. Yeah. And I would love to get your perspective on praise because that's something that we we both have in common. I, I'm very anti the, you should just be happy you have a job mentality. And I believe that telling someone they're, you know, they're doing well is really, really important in leadership. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I think that, um, you know, there's a couple, there are a couple of ways to think about this. I think of praise and course correction, like a checking account. I better have more deposits because when it's time to make a withdrawal, I'm in, I'm in bad shape (laughs) if I don't make enough deposits. And so I think about that idea of, to ensure that people are moving forward and ensure that we are providing the performance management that we need to be successful, we've got to make a lot of deposits for team members. We've got to provide them great praise. We've got to shout from the rooftops how successful an initiative was. Deposits, deposits, deposits. You can't make a withdrawal and help someone course correct if you don't have a lot of deposits. And I think it's really important to think about making those deposits with our team and ensuring they're engaged. I will say that one of the challenges with managers is not enough deposits, or I should say a lot more deposits than any withdrawals. And the reason why that's in some cases unfortunate is because that individual that you're giving a lot of praise to and you're making a lot of deposits to can never grow. They don't know how to grow because you haven't given them feedback needed to be able to grow professionally. And that's the other end of the spectrum where an individual may think, am I really getting the support and guidance that I need to grow professionally because everything's wonderful. I'm just getting all this great praise. I'm as a manager, as a leader, we're making all these deposits and so I really don't know how to course correct, you know, any of my, um, and so that becomes challenging. So I would just warn that praise is fantastic. We need praise. We need deposits. 
but we've got to ensure that we're balancing and we're investing in the individual because they're expecting from us that we're also providing them constructive feedback. Yeah. And if there's deposits and a withdrawal happens, then an employee, they feel, okay, this isn't this, you know, what I could be um, perceiving as negative or stressful feedback is not that negative or stressful because I have proof that I've done all of these things. So yeah, I love exactly. that, that mentality of the deposit and withdrawal and balancing that. I think that's so brilliant. Yeah, you have to think about that. It's I always like to think about things we do every day to make examples of life more successful. You know, it's something we can think about. It's um, super important. So I want to get into the other topic that is on our agenda, and that is taking a marketing approach to recruitment, which I find really fascinating. Um, so can you kind of intro us into that that mindset? Yeah. Absolutely. Sure thing. So before we get into that, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about how also this is a, a finance approach to recruiting, <laughs> believe it or not, which is really interesting. So um, first off, when we think about marketing, marketing is about ensuring that we're attracting the right audience. It's all about connecting with audiences, finding the right audiences and ensuring we're attracting the right candidates from a recruiting perspective, just as from a marketing perspective, we're attracting the right customers because every, every company, every talent acquisition team, um, they're looking for qualified folks. And those folks can be sales leads, candidates could be a number of different things. And the idea is to really study your talent attraction experience and what you're doing to attract talent and brand connection, all these things that are very important in rounding out a marketing approach to job advertising. I think, you know, when we think about the all powerful applicant tracking system, um, the all powerful applicant tracking system is a lot like Salesforce from a sales perspective. A lot of data, a lot of compliance, a lot of note-taking, everything's happening in this applicant tracking system. Well, when we open a rec in an applicant tracking system, we're focused more around compliance, potentially, and a workflow than the actual marketing and attracting the audience. Or from our early days in school, interest the reader. And the reader is, of course, the job seeker. And we need to think about how we interest the reader. We need to think about how to connect to the reader, how to speak to how you're unique as a company, why it's so important. And we need to be transparent in the opportunity, transparent in the company, transparent in why you should take advantage of this job and why you should apply for this job. So all of these things, you know, when you think about marketing, are, are really going back to the basics of starting in this idea of you know, let's attract some audiences, let's interest the reader, let's find, you know, the right way to connect to the right job seekers. And by connecting to the right job seekers, we can build our candidate pipeline and we can ensure that we're, you know, making the hires that we need to grow our business. And all of this is, is connected. So now where I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this today is if you think about how companies recruit, and traditionally this has been the case for um, 
I would say, I mean, 40, 50 years at this point, if you think about recruitment advertising, it started with newspapers. So people would, you know, open up help wanted ads and business would say, I need to, I need to advertise and I'm hiring. And they would post an ad in the local help wanted. And then probably about 20 years ago, there was a big movement to general job sites and monster and career builder. Um, as folks moved online from newspapers, they started posting jobs and, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? It went from in the newspapers per character to per posting, and so there was value created from newspapers to uh, job boards. Um, and then, you know, I would say probably 15 years ago or so, uh, there started to be a movement to more of the search side of it. So job search looked a lot like Google. Search looked a lot like Google. And, you know, you've had the, the success of Indeed and providing even more value to um, employers and recruiters globally. Each stage has been, there's been this transformational value um, that's, that's occurred to job seekers and employers. And so now, now our thought is we're at this intersection where it's about going beyond a job site or going beyond search. And it's about finding the right audiences and connecting the right audiences and connecting the feedback loop with your applicant tracking system. And when you connect the feedback loop to the applicant tracking system, your system should be automated enough to scale up what's working and scale down what's not working so you can be efficient with your uh, recruitment marketing budget. And so, you know, the idea of right place, right time, right job seeker, right price, you know, it's the it's been the promise, you know, of of a lot of the traditional marketing services and products, you know, over the last over the last 10 to 15 years. So how do we now bring them into job advertising and how do we ensure that, you know, some of the success that marketers have used, you know, over the last, I would say 10 years or so that have been more data driven, that we can bring that to job advertising and bring that to recruitment marketing. Yeah. And another topic, um, you know, that we, want to go over in this podcast is AI's role in it all. Um, Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So I I like to think of AI that companies should leverage AI um, to automate redundant tasks. And what I mean by that is a great example is interview scheduling. Um, Great example is screening, requirement screening. Um, All of these things, I think we can be more effective by leveraging technology. The whole reason why, why you leverage AI and this level of technology is so you can spend more time with candidates, not spend less time with candidates. It's so you can spend more time with candidates um, and actually recruit and build a relationship. All these things are very important. If you think of business and you think of technology over the ages, that's where a lot of the productivity enhancements have originated. Right? It's originated from, from basically removing manual work and letting systems be more effective in a lot of ways. So I think that's how I think about the enhancements um, around AI and, and why, why I think that there's a lot of opportunity. We should never, you know, I say this, and I'm sure others have said it because it's a good line, but I, I always say we should never take the human out of human resources. You know, that is our connection with people our connection with human resources, our connection with recruiting is the strength of a talent acquisition function. 
It is the strength of a human resources function. What we should do is take out the redundant tasks so we can spend more time with people. And in our world, we like to think of that as your job advertising. You know, where are your advertising jobs? Where are you spending your money? How can we automate that? How can we make that more effective for you? How can we use data from the applicant tracking system to be more effective so you can spend more time, again, connecting with candidates, interviewing candidates, investing your time with candidates um, versus redundant tasks um, that can be automated. Mm-hmm. Now, I liked when you said building a relationship. Um, and I've been on the receiving end of that where recruiters will reach out and will realize, oh, this opportunity isn't the best, but a couple months later, they'll come back with an opportunity that is a little bit better. Um, so I have definitely experienced that relationship building on my end. Um, can you talk about it You know, from the recruitment standpoint? Absolutely. Relationships are very important. You never know when a candidate's Outlook may change, mind may change. And so it's just so important to be candid and open and focused, you know, in your pipeline. Your pipeline is what's so important from a recruiting perspective. You have to ensure that there is a pipeline so that you can drive hires to grow grow your business. Um, You know, I think that as an industry, if we can be more effective at communicating with candidates, I think candidates will be more effective in responding. And, you know, one of the things we've been hearing in, you know, in the industry over the last, especially over the last year is this idea of candidate ghosting, where, you know, candidates aren't showing up for interviews, they aren't responding to, you know, talent acquisition teams um, at the rate it may be, you know, they once were simply because there's a lot more opportunity out there, there are a lot more jobs. And, you know, when we think about, you know, we've been talking about marketing and, and, and job advertising. Now we can think about sales and recruiting because when you generate a sales lead and the lead just sits and the sales team isn't contacting a marketing qualified lead, what happens to that lead? There's over time, it, the, the uh, likelihood of closing that marketing qualified lead just erodes. And the same thing happens with candidates now uh, because there are more opportunities than ever. So, you know, we can't, it, it's not a good idea to have someone apply, a very good candidate apply for a job and not contact them right away. And so I think that there are, there are a lot of things we can learn from marketing to apply to you know, to apply to sourcing and recruitment marketing. There are a lot of things we can learn from sales process to apply to a recruiting process. And so where I'm going with this is in your case, when you're talking about that relationship management, the number one frustration that we've heard from job seekers over the last, maybe ever since it's been, (laughs) ever since job search moved online is, is the black hole. And that is I apply to a job and I don't hear back from, you know, from a talent acquisition leader or a recruiter. And now we've seen this shift. Now the talent acquisition leaders and the recruiters are not hearing back from candidates because of the change in, in supply and demand. So, you know, what I would say to that is 
Now we need as an industry, I think we can right size, we can communicate more effectively and we'll have a lot more time to communicate more effectively if we're automating, automating redundant tasks. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on social media's role in recruiting because, you know, there are recruiters on LinkedIn, there are Facebook groups for niche jobs. Um, how do you utilize social, if you do utilize social media, how do you, and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think social, I think social media has, um, is interesting. I don't think as a, as a sourcing and recruiting strategy, we've quite figured it out yet, um, for, for a number of reasons from a branding perspective, I think it's fantastic from a passive candidate perspective. It's terrific. Um, so I would have to say, I would, I would probably say, so I would have to separate probably LinkedIn and Facebook or meta as or snap or some of the other, you know, ecosystems, um, a little differently. But, um, I think that the idea of passive candidates, uh, folks, not hundred percent looking for a job, but available, I think is the key. Have we, have we cracked, uh, the best way to reach these candidates yet? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I hope that was helpful. No, I, I totally see where, you know, someone could uh, enjoy a company's values, their content, and then, you know, see a job posting that this company is hiring, not thinking about jumping to a new job. But, you know, after following this brand online for a few months, maybe a year, it's, they're like, okay, I want to be part of this. So yeah, there's absolutely that benefit to, you know, creating that uh, engaging brand online. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, one of the things that was, that was helpful for us when we moved to Austin almost 10 years ago is we decided to um, engage in the local market best place to work surveys. And that was really important for us because it allowed us to elevate our brand as a best places to work um, across the different uh, local media outlets and that was helpful in, again, elevating our brand in an area. And so I always provide that, that feedback to companies that are looking to build their brand, you know, against some of the larger known enterprise companies. Um, it's a great way to think about it. But I would say from a social media perspective, it's part of the mix. And we have to think about this. We have to take a holistic approach to talent attraction, recruiting, sourcing, all these things. And just we just as we take a holistic approach with marketing and ensuring that we have campaigns and channels connected. I think the most successful companies, you know, engage um, thinking about this holistic buyer's journey and candidate journey and how to connect, you know, how to connect the company and to connect the dots for candidates. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, I have one more question and I want to loop back to, you know, our inflation discussion and, you know, the uh, wage inflation. So, you know, you mentioned you brought in your book, The Magic Show, um, you know, you mentioned the meetings. So for leaders that are kind of in a tough, tough position where they don't really have the budget to offer the raises they would like, 
what are some ways that they can get creative? Yeah. So I would first say that time, time is one of the most important resources that we can provide to our, to our team members. We can provide our time to our team members, FaceTime. And it's also one of the things, you know, we can never, we can never um, get back. (laughs) So, you know, as a society, people embrace the idea of time, especially when you're spending one-on-one time with your team members. And I would encourage you to think about that. I would encourage you first to engage your team members, hold skip meetings, um, you know, depending on departments, connect with people, let them know you're here for them. You're listening. Um, there's not, there isn't anything there's from a monetary perspective that costs zero except for your time. If you're looking to um, engage and you're concerned about inflation, first start with a conversation. The other thing is, is outside of inflation, again, I said earlier about career pathing and how important that is for team members. If, if you're from a, from a budget perspective, if you're forecasting, you know, a new headcount and there is someone on your team that is looking to move in that direction um, from that standpoint, you're probably going to have to hire for that headcount anyway. So why not try to have a conversation with that individual and provide the path so that that team member can achieve the career they're looking for instead of hiring outside? Um, so that would be one that would be one suggestion as well. But I always like to think about a conversation. I always like to think about time. I think skip meetings. And if there is budget, you know, as I mentioned earlier, management mingles, you know, a a $25 lunch connecting to your leadership team through DoorDash or $30 or $40 um, is a small investment to let folks know that you're listening, that you're available, and that you want to help. And I think that is when you think about company culture, company culture starts at the top and team members emulate, um, you know, that experience. And so if you're coming at it from the perspective of paying it forward and you're being collaborative and you're being helpful, it's going to have a, you know, I guess a waterfall effect to your entire team. And I would say, it has to start there. So that would be my feedback is look at small events, engage, think about your career path of your team members. And maybe there's someone there that, you know, is interested in a job you already have available and already have budgeted for. Let's put a path in place. Thank you so much for that insight. It's so valuable. So, you know, before I do, we, um, we part what are some ways people can learn more about you, uh, get in touch with you if they want to? Well, this has been too great, great, Lindsay. Thank you again for your time. Uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to an- answer any questions you have about any of the topics uh, we discussed and uh, just happy to connect. So thank you so much. Have a terrific afternoon. Uh, thanks, that I appreciate your time. You had so many good tips for business leaders that may be in a crunch. And again, I'm Lindsay, host of People Analytics. If you or anyone you know is someone like that who wants to make the work 
workplace better and encourage employees and help them grow, feel free to reach out to me at uh, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.